Welcome to Voice of Truth Radio, and it is uh, Senator Mike Azinger with you, accompanied by Pastor Brian Leversey. Hey, Pastor, Mike, good how to you have doing? You. It's good. good to be here. Yes, sir, it's great to be here. So we're here on Saturday before the election. We're going to kind of do uh, an election show of sorts, but it, it won't air until after the <laughs> now, election. Now, we're not prophets, so we can't tell you. <laughs> Don't expect prog- prognostication yes, here about exactly. who wins. But. <laughs> exactly, but uh, we're going to think about through better next election and have our show ready. But we're going to just lay down some good historical foundation of where America came from, who we are as a nation, uh, why, you know, why are we the greatest nation hmm. in the world? We have our problems, and they're copious at this right. point. We've strayed from the Lord in a lot of ways, hmm. but at the same time, instinctively, preacher, we know that we need to return to God. I Absolutely. Saw, I saw a guy, um, he sent an email out this morning who's who's having calling for a day of prayer and fasting on Election Day. Hmm. So that's what we return to. We know that instinctively, yes. even though we're not doing it at all. And you know, that doesn't change regardless of who wins. You know, Christians still need to be Christians. Yeah. They still need to be standing up for truth. We still need to uh, contemplate these principles of why we vote, how we vote, how we make the voice of righteousness known in our nation. And, mm. and you know, while we understand God had a, a people that he'd called, of course, the nation of Israel, I'm glad that as a believer, we've been grafted into the family of God, mm. and we still have responsibilities to reflect God and his truths in our culture today. Yeah, yes, and, and the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. Mm. I love that, that piece of scripture where Jesus uh, basically says, look, I'm, I'm Lord of everywhere. God yeah. created God created government, and uh, Christians are to be uh, part of that. That's and right. Invo- why, why have we vacated it? Why have we deserted government and and left it to people that don't have a biblical worldview? Yeah, We've done that. We have, and I think it, it goes back to uh, probably an answer for why we leave off of a lot of things that God wants us to stay true to, and it's because we leave off from his word, mm. you know? And when we leave off from keeping our eyes on the Lord and his promises, then we become you know, disillusioned by the failures of men. And when we become disillusioned by the failures of men, uh, then we're not placing our trust in God. We're saying, oh, no, government is what I look to, and men are who I look to. No, 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 we look to God ultimately, but God has ordained government, and if we can have a voice of truth and righteousness in that government, God can still bless what he's ordained, I believe. That is great, and there is no commandment. I was told this after a very disappointing time in my life when I had broken this this <laughs> certain <laughs> commandment. There, there's no place in the Bible where it says to put our trust in man, is there? No, I'm no a, there's not. I'm a great lover of our president, but but uh, these signs that say, in Trump we trust, no, right, no, we don't right, want to do that. Right. In God we trust. Yeah. We, we, we are so prone as fallen man to make idols out of everything. Yeah. Right? They did that in the Old Testament. They, they did. They little mouse ones, little mouse pieces of, I forget the exact Scripture. They make they, <laughs> they bow down, do. worship it, and I say, so you, you, what do you? Why do you do that? Well, well we do the same thing, don't we? We do it, we, and we do it with government. And you know, this yeah. isn't a new yeah, pattern. This is this has happened even with the children of Israel. You know, they were not supposed to have a king like the 
the pagan nations. That's right. And God said, no, you're not going to have a king. Uh, of course, Israel was a theocracy at the point at that time, and God had worked through judges, and God had worked through prophets, and God had worked through priests, and they, they all had different functions to bring God's people close to God and to give God's people direction from God. But then the people's hearts rebelled as they looked at the heathen nations, and they said, give us a king. And, you know, sometimes God will give us what we ask for. He does. You know, he does to, <laughs> to chasten our rebellion. Yeah. And so he gave them a king, and that didn't work out too well, did it? it you did know, not. Saul was not an obedient king. He did not have an obedient heart. And the children of Israel paid dearly through many evil kings that mm. they found come to leadership in their country. Indeed. So let's go with, uh, uh, you mentioned um, uh, righteousness, and, and this is a verse I shared uh, before we came on the air, but uh, just just to get going here, Isaiah 26, 9, for when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Mm. And that that is the truth. When God's yeah. When, when God's judgments, his word, his truth is in the earth, mm. that's how we learn righteousness. There's yeah. no other way, and that's the same with America. Yeah. America was started by Christians at Plymouth mm. and Jamestown, uh, in the sands of Cape Henry. Uh, uh, they On the beach, they put a cross there and they prayed. There's 150 mm. men in Jamestown led by uh, Reverend uh, uh, Henry, uh, uh, I forget the Reverend's name, but they, they prayed at, yeah. at the beach. And then the Mayflower Compact mm-hmm. that the that the pilgrims signed, where they gave their purpose for coming. They said, for the glory of God yep. and the advancement of of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. That's why they come, to glorify yeah. God and to advance the Christian faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's our founding. That's our the first fathers, mm-hmm. then the founding fathers. Those are the men of the founding era, 1730 to 1805, roughly. Uh, so, Pastor, that we, we started getting a, a certain law in our Christianity. Mm-hmm. Then we had the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. George Whitfield, 80% of the colonists Heard him preach the gospel, thousands saved, and John Wesley and Samuel Davies, and America was lit up again mm. with the judgments of the Lord, and that is where we came from. So we need to, I was sharing this verse with you also, but uh, we need in America today for our citizens, especially our young people, to know where we came from, our history. Let me read this real quick, and I'll let you, I can tell you're chomping at the bit. For ask now of the days that are past, Mm. Deuteronomy 4.32. Moses told that to the Israelites, uh, ask of the days that are past. Mm. Ask about what happened before us. Right? And, you know, I think there's a bit of arrogance that exists in our culture today. Uh, And I'm going to say, especially among young people, I want to consider myself a young person. Will you let me do that, Mike? Can I? Uh, (laughs) I'm 55. If if I I can, you can. All right. So we're young people here. (laughs) Yes, I love that. And and I think one of the the arrogancies of of young people and and a lack of wisdom that can can set into their heart is that they don't ask any more about the time past. Mm. They think they can figure it out on their own. And they don't look at you know, the sacrifices and the truths um, that really have provided for them. Or uh, conversely, in some countries, um, the truths that have been reflected in the failure of of those countries because they were not built on principles that come from our Creator God. And so either way, to not look at our past and learn from it, I believe is a severe arrogancy. I don't think we live in the past, but we sure learn from the past. Yes. And um, that verse that you read from Isaiah— that, you know, we cannot know righteousness except it be revealed from God 
and embraced by us through him, we don't learn righteousness from the government. We don't learn righteousness from mankind inherently. We learn it as uh, we embrace the truths of God's word and we share those through laws, through a public forum and conversation, through obviously the local New Testament church, which I believe is God's vehicle um, to bring his gospel and the word of God into this world. So, um, you know, that is such a vital uh, truth right there. And, and, you know, I think we need to get back to looking at these times past and learning from them again. That's very well said. So let's go back. Let's take a peek into our history. Who were these men that these founding fathers? It's called a, a young men's revolution. Yeah. Okay. So these were young men, like us, thirties, <laughs> right. like you. <laughs> Franklin was the outlier. He was in his eighties, but but most you know, if you took the median age of, of these mm. men that signed the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, these first members of Congress, you would find that they're young and and they were also discipled. By men of God. Hey, I want to jump on that just real quick right there. And I want that to be an encouragement to young people listening to this program. You know, I know young people take uh, a lot of heat, you know, the millennials and, you know, young people just don't have, uh, you know, the ability or the knowledge or the attitude or, you know, the greatest generation was the generation that made things happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's this stigma and in some cases, rightfully so, that young people bear up under. But this is proof. The beginning of our nation is proof that young people on mm. fire for God can make a difference. Mm. Young people who are willing to stand up in times of difficulty and say, I'm going to follow the Lord and his truths can make a huge impact even on a whole nation. And I hope young people listening uh, to this uh, program really grab onto that. Yeah, and so that's that's so well said because uh, because uh, the young people today are the ones that are that are, according to polls, tending towards socialism. Right. Right. Yeah. That uh, that um, uh, let, let's let's do this first, Pastor. Let's let's talk about uh what what are the qualifications according to scripture? Because we have we mm. talk about a biblical worldview mm-hmm. here. Everything that everything that we try to teach and and uh, give across the radio waves, we want it to understood that that Christian folks should have a biblical worldview. Everything they believe should should be through the lens of scripture. Yes. So so uh, uh, Deuteronomy eighteen twenty one gives gives a, a very clear description from the Lord. Of of what these uh, of of what our leaders hmm. should be like, the characteristics they have, the character that yes. they have. So I'm going to read this verse to you, and so I want you to expound just a couple minutes on this, and then sure. we're going to go into what were the sources the founders used to create the Constitution. The older I get, <laughs> the older I get, the more I am just astounded at the genius. Oh yeah, of the Constitution, it's unbelievable it's genius. It okay, is. that knowledge to create a Constitution didn't just fall into their heads. The founding fathers were great students of philosophers and past governments, yeah. and they took all of that and created the Constitution. So, um, so what should our our leaders be like? Uh, uh, Deuteronomy eighteen twenty one, Moses speaking. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, so they should be able, such as fear God, men of truth, not relativists, mm. men of truth, hating covetousness. That kills socialism right yeah, there, it does. doesn't it? Absolutely. Socialism's founded in, I hope I'm not stealing your. No, <laughs> no, it's right on. That's... Okay, so hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and, and hundreds and uh, so on. 
So, um, you have able men, fear of God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Mm. Covetousness. God's a simple God. He, is. he makes it real clear. <laughs> and simple. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think that because it is so simple, we tend to overcomplicate that. And, mm. you know, none of these leaders that uh, were even chosen in Israel's history were flawless. I think that's something that we need to point out. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of times we draw from our understanding of leadership requirements from what's listed in the New Testament for pastors and deacons. You know, a lot of times we look at those and we think, okay, well, this is what I'm going to put on a political leader. This is what I'm going to put on, you know, a national leader. These are the things, unless they meet these criteria, they're not fit to lead. Well, in the New Testament, we do not have any kind of directive that says for your president, for your politicians, for whatever, um, these are requirements where they cannot serve. We go back to the to the Old Testament, and we see these principles that you've drawn out. And these are inherent principles that should be part of anybody's leadership. I mean, if these if, if people do not have a fear of God, if they do not have um, uh, an abandonment of covetous or a covetous nature, then you're going to get corrupt leadership every time because they're mm. going to operate under their own, like you said, relativism. Yes. Whatever, uh, whatever's right for me needs to be right for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what we're seeing in our culture today. You know, my truth if you don't like my truth, then I'm going to burn your building down. You know, this <laughs> is kind right. of this is kind of what we get when we don't seek out leaders that have that kind of selfless, God-fearing attitude. And um, people tend to vote for people who are like them a lot of times. Right. And what does that say about us when that's, we put people point. in a public office who are criminalistic in their behavior, mm. who are... Um, selfish in their attitude, who have no moral compass. When we do that, it's kind of a reflection of who we are as a people. So that verse that you read there says a lot, I believe, about who we are. And that's we... a, that's a profound point. I'm not sure I've heard that before, but we we elect people that are like us, yeah. right? We're not supposed to do that. None of us, including nope. me, including you, including nope. nobody. We're yep. supposed to elect people that are like God. Yes. We're supposed to elect people. These four characteristics from Exodus 18:21. That are able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, yeah. right? So that's what covetousness I heard a guy give a—he's a former congressman at a conference recently. He gave a great illustration. He said, what's the difference between uh, uh, taking out your gun, uh, walking up to a car uh, parked on the street and saying, give me your money, or uh, passing a bill that, that uh, mandates that uh, the government— Stick a gun in your face and you give them your money, right? Now, <laughs> well, we have to have taxes to some extent, but but uh, most of it's it's robbery, yeah. and and uh, uh, that's what socialism is. It's taking people's money and giving it to other people, mm-hmm. and it never works. It, it always is harmful. All right, so let me just run something by you here, Pastor. This is a, a great little piece of information that I think our listeners will really enjoy. It'll help folks. But where did our founding fathers— Get their information, yeah. their principles. The Constitution is a document of principle. Right. It's not elastic. It's not. Uh, it doesn't change over time. We can't mend it. It's not malleable. Uh, we can amend it, but, we, but it is of fixed principles. All right, so there's a professor named Donald Lutz, L-U-T-Z, and he did a 10-year research on like 15,000 different documents from the founding era, hmm. which is 1760 to 1805 is, the, is how he defined it. Um, and he wanted to find out what, what were the, the uh, 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 sources 
that the founding fathers referred to. He, he took like over 3,000. Sure. This is what he found out. Uh, uh, the men that they referred to, uh, a man named Montesquieu, 8.3% of their uh, sources were Montesquieu. Blackstone, mm-hmm. Blackstone's uh, commentaries on the law, he's right. a Brit, 7, 7.9%. Locke, I'm actually reading a book on John Locke right now. Locke, 2.9%. Now, here's the here's the kicker. 34% of the citations of their sources of the Founding Fathers, 34% were from the Bible. Wow, that's astounding. That 34%. Is astounding. Wow. And these other men I listed, Montesquieu, Blackstone, Locke, uh, were biblical thinkers. Right. right. Christians. Biblical thinkers, they had they had a biblical worldview. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of total uh, citations and the sources that of our founding fathers were were biblically based. That is amazing. It really is. And you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to do a study on after you know all of the Constitution and laws were put together. It'd be interesting to do a study on. Uh, quotes that even presidents and leaders during that same time period used, and how much actually came from Scripture. Because I would venture to say it'd be a lot as well. <laughs> I would, I would say that's true because that was the case um, up up until even even today. I mean, hmm. even even our liberal presidents would would refer. That's right. Would refer to to I, scripture to God. I remember so reading through my history books and and seeing the Word of God come to life many times through speeches or comments that even uh, people from a more liberal view uh, would have. So yes, and and uh, the the uh, one na- one nation under God. The phrase under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance not until the 1950s. Hmm. That was under Eisenhower. Yeah, and Eisenhower, you don't think of him as, as you know like. Uh, 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 Jonathan Edwards or anything. He right. was just a, he was a general, right. war general, and uh, but under uh, even just back to the fifties, things didn't really change until the sixties. Right. Um, so, so those were so those were the the sources, and and uh, th- then you had you had the Great Awakening, and uh, all the all the the preaching across across the country, and all those all those people. Coming to God across across, I, I read somewhere, Pastor, where after the preaching of the Great Awakening, which was the first Great Awakening, uh, with uh, Whitfield and, and Wesley and Davies and others, thirty uh, percent of of the colonies came to Christ. Wow, eighty percent heard the preaching. That's amazing. So how's that going to affect the culture? Absolutely. Well, like the the verse we opened with about righteousness, the righteousness of God being known as it's expressed through uh, you know, his word and his people, when that sets into a culture, it's going to shape that culture. You know, we, while the Constitution is a fixed principled thing, we understand that the Bible has fixed principles too, but it, it becomes alive in us. In other words, those truths then start working their way out in the behaviors and the thinking and in uh, the processing of the people that hear those truths. And, and that's really the catalyst for the America that we have and enjoy mm-hmm. today. Are those truths that came to the forefront during that Great Awakening? That is the truth. Uh, let me just give you a quote here. Uh, this is from um, I have a book in front of me called uh, "The Bible: America's Source of Law and Liberty" by a guy named Stephen McDowell, who we'll have on the show here at some point. But <clears throat> so he que- he quotes 
original sources. These are sources that go years and years back, even though the book is uh, fairly new. But uh, this is from a book called The Pulpit of the American Revolution. By the way, I have with me, I brought with me, uh, folks can't see it, but I'll show it to you, a friend of mine who's a who's a George Washington expert. This gave me a two-volume set. This is one volume. Political Sermons of the American Founding Era, era huh. 1730-1805. That was a that was a common thing, 1730 to 1805, to, for pastors to get up and preach on uh, a political sermon on on election during election time. Wow! And and that was that was very common. So I, uh, you can tell I've not read <laughs> I've not read this, uh, nor do I think I have the uh, discipline to do it. But it's a beautiful book to put on your bookshelf. And, and he's referencing the fact that it's about a twelve inch thick book. So. <laughs> right. It is. If I can't reach the books on top of my shelf, I need one. And to there's very up. few pictures. So no pictures. <laughs> No pictures. I don't know how that got past me because that's the first <laughs> you got to you got to enhance that filter a little bit better that's by what right. you decided to read. All right, so let <laughs> me read this this quote to you. This is from the pulpit of American the American Revolution. The clergy preachers, uh, like uh, Pastor Leversy, the clergy were generally consulted by civil authorities. Hmm. They were consulted by civil. So the, so the elected officials would go to the pastors. And not infrequently, the suggestion from the pulpit on election days and other special occasions were enacted into laws. Hmm. Well, think about that just for a moment. Um, That's been historically, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, how the laws of the land were handled. If you go Hmm. back to Judaism, even— and you think of the Pharisees, they were essentially the lawyers of the day. And what did they specialize in? They specialized in the Pentateuch. They specialized yeah. in the Decalogue, in the laws of the land, because we believe that those laws came from God. Now, if you have a nation that believes that our laws inherently come from the Lord, then you're going to consult the experts, the ones who read, study, and deliver the Word of God, because that's really the framework for our laws. That uh, That is... That that is a, a great point, and that's what the that's what America did. The thirteen colonies took the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, and that's where they created law. Law comes from somewhere, it's like yep. you said. It's either going to come from God or it's going to come from man. That's right. So uh, we want it to come from God mm-hmm. because God's law. Uh, God says in the, in the Old Testament to to Israel, look. The other nations are going to look at you and say, wow, that is a, that is a great nation that has a law like they mm. have, right? Yeah. The, the law that you have is a great, is great law. It is. Yeah. It's great law. Well, and, and let's talk about equality just for a moment because I know that's a big uh, uh, push button for our culture today is, is uh, even socialism tries to ride on the skirts of, of trying to decry inequality in our, in our country and trying to make everything fair. But the only one who truly can rule with equality is the one who created all men. Mm. If, if our laws come from God, who, has, who values all mankind, who values all races, who values the two genders that he's created, male and female— mm. Uh, if our laws come from that God, then he's going to promote and, and enact and, and enable laws that are for the good of his creation. Now, if we take God out of the picture 
and man becomes the catalyst for the laws, then you can't help but have a bias in how those laws are created. You're going to create those laws for your own good or for the good of those that are closest to you. And other people are going to have difficulty with that. But, but when we draw our principles, when we draw our righteousness, when we draw our laws from God who values all of his creation, then we truly have someone who is um, invested in everybody, you know, not yes. not just one-sided like you have with, with a dictatorship or a socialist kind of viewpoint or so on and so forth. So I think that's been a great success for our country is we've adhered, historically speaking, to the laws of God and his word. And also, if you look at God's law, you can you, you then understand what good and evil is. That's right. If we don't know what good and evil is from the Lord— then we make it up ourselves. We, we do. We decide and we'll excuse our own evils. And yes, my evil's good, yours is bad. Right. <laughs> That's right. And and yeah. uh, uh, it becomes. And we see that in the higher echelons of government all over the world, we see where they leverage their power to excuse their behavior, and uh, God never will allow that to happen. His and, and and by the way, let's just say this: whether we choose to obey God's laws or not, does not mean that God's laws are not enacted. God said, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Yes. And so a nation can pretend like they have um, disposed of God's laws and enacted their own, but God's laws will always stand whether we adhere to them or not. A man will sow what he reaps, a nation will sow what it reaps. And that's a that can be a troubling thought, can't it? It can, and uh, God's law is essential and it, it's why america is is great one mm. of the one of the reasons but uh, let me just read this to you the first laws written in america were called laws divine moral and martial and uh, it was in uh, written in virginia 1609 to 1612 so this is the first laws in america okay in virginia um the first 10 laws were in essence a recounting of the Ten Commandments, hmm. all right? The colonists re- were required to serve God. This is early America. By the way, in early America, if you wanted to run for office, you couldn't be an atheist because they said that if you don't believe in an afterlife, judgment and reward, then we don't want you in office. Because hey, if you don't believe that point. you can, you will commit, that your bad behavior will be ultimately judged by God, uh, you stay away from, from office and my mm. wallet both, right? And my wife, right? You stay <laughs> away from the wallet and the wife. The colonists were required, were required, this is early America, to serve God, to attend divine service. This is a quote. Uh, to not speak against God or blaspheme God's holy name. Preacher, I was, I was mm. on uh, the south part of the side of, of town where I, I work most of the time. There's a card spray painted in silver silver with the most and on the side of it it had the most blasphemous remark towards god that you can mm. think of written on the side of the car wow. i couldn't believe it. i turned around and followed the guy <laughs> i followed it. i started he wouldn't roll his window down to look at me but that that's how that's how brazen we wow. become in our evil but in those days you couldn't speak against god or blaspheme god and uh if you did, uh, it was severe, severe con- consequences. Last sentence here. Reading, um, if you read the over 100 Constitution compacts and early charters, those are the founding doc- documents, over 100 of them, uh, you'll see that they all had, they all had a biblical worldview hmm. and Christian foundation. Yeah. That's what they all were. Yeah. They all were, Pastor. Yeah. 
And, you know, it should be no surprise, even a cursory understanding of our nation's history can be put on display for you if you just walk through Washington, D.C. You'll see the monuments, you'll see the buildings, all of them inscribed with quotes and verses from Scripture. I mean, literally, we built our buildings with inscriptions of Scripture on them. That's how much the Word of God was valued in the development of our nation. Great. Okay, so we're we're out of time for this segment, and uh, we're going to at some point at the show. Don't know exact time. We're going to have Mark Daller in, who's a oh, that'd be great. Uh, yes, Doctor Mark Daller. Daller. He's a uh, uh, his his boy Tim works works for you, and, and mm-hmm. a great family he has. I've known him since oh, the nineties. He pastors out in Ohio, little, little church out in Ohio. He's, yeah. he's uh, just got his doctor. He's really That's a great. smart guy, interesting That's guy. Great. I used to have a little uh, radio, uh, like a short snippet uh, radio show in here hmm. before we started pastoring uh, in Ohio. But uh, we're going to have him on. He, he'll. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the election day. And, of course, by the time folks are listening to this uh, election's over. We're talking before the election right now. It's uh, Saturday here, but uh, it will be very interesting. And then uh, Pastor Brian Leversey and I will get back and finish this show up. So this is Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey, and we'll be back after this. Hi, this is Brian Leversey, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Okay, we're back. This is Mike Azinger. This is the Voice of Truth radio show. And uh, Mike Azinger, state senator, usually in here with uh, Pastor Brian Leversey. He vacated the chair for a minute to bring in the most esteemed uh, Dr. Mark Daller. Dr. Daller, thanks for coming in uh, with me today. Well, thank you for having me today. Yes, yeah, so we go back to, uh, I remember the year that we met. It was 1992 because that's when I moved back to uh, the Mid-Ohio Valley from Indiana and met you and others, and we've been great friends since then. We share a lot in common uh, in that we like to read. Right. You're a reader. Right. We uh, we always share those reading reading memes on Facebook. Right. And uh, we like politics. We like issues. We like that type of stuff. But you're a fascinating guy, and you've written some really interesting stuff. Uh, and I wanted to have you on the show to talk about uh, the elections passed. We're we're talking before the election occurred. Right. But by the time this comes on the air, it will have been passed. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm just going to read. I read this to Pastor Leversey. just want you to comment for just a second on Exodus 18.21, where God describes the kind of leader that he thinks that we should have. Doesn't think. He, he tells us we should have. Right. The leaders should be, so you should provide out of all the people, Moses talking to the Israelites, able men, mm-hmm. such as fear God, Men of truth and hating covetousness. Right. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty good qualifications. Very good character attributes of of, of what God really is looking for as far as civil leaders. You know, uh, even before that, uh, 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 it was uh, the idea that they they took men. Uh, uh, Moses was the, if you it would allow me to say it this way, the national leader. But mm-hmm. they needed. 
uh, leaders of 50s and 100s and things like that, in which those were some of the qualifications. Uh, Moses could not handle it all. He was kind of the the big picture, the big idea uh, guy and the national leader, but they needed those those uh, small group individual uh, civic leaders, and, and God gave those qualifications of people to look for. You know, it's interesting in, in the Bible that even before uh, the book of Exodus, in the book of Genesis, it tells us a little bit about the participation of a believer in a a civil government, and even sometimes not even a good civil government. It tells hmm. us in, in the Genesis chapter 42 that Joseph was the governor in Egypt. He was a civil leader, a national leader in a really not a Christian conscious government, right. but he was there. And so it is important for Christians to participate in uh, their government, whether it be nationally or or locally, uh, God expects us to be salt and light in our communities. Yeah, I think that's well said. So, uh, some of the issues that uh, that we have to persevere with, and uh, they're, they're the perpetual and perennial issues that Americans are facing in American culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I heard somebody say one time. Uh, uh, Mark, that uh, Americans pro- America's problem isn't a morality problem. It's not a moral problem. It's an idolatry problem. Mm-hmm. We have replaced God yeah. in our culture. That's why we have moral problems, right? You yeah. replace God, you take prayer out of schools, Bible out of schools, and all of a sudden you have a whole big mess. So I think that uh, our problem is an idolatry problem. Clarence Sexton said that. Right. And uh, uh, we need to, to bring back God into into our culture, into our lives, our schools, etc. Well, I agree that that putting God, you know, preeminently, that is the actual the first commandment is thou shalt have yes. no other gods uh, before me. And and whenever you replace God, then you run into all kinds of problems. And and the further we get away from God, the the deeper the problems, you know, manifest themselves. You know, it's interesting, and I find myself going back there many times. Uh, in, in just studying and reading, is Romans chapter 1. It gives us a, a chilling uh, reflection of—granted, it was written 2,000 years ago, but it tells us, shows us uh, a, the downward spiral of a, of a country, a culture, hmm. a community, even an individual who is devoid of God. They are completely away from God and, and the consequences and the further they get away from God and they replace God with themselves or other things of the world. And it just shows us the disastrous effects of this self-idolatry that we replace God with uh, with our needs, our wants, and even ourselves. Uh, you know, it, it was it the C.S. Lewis said that God made that great that great statement that uh, uh, God has put it within every person that God-shaped vacuum mm. that can only be filled with him. But unfortunately, most of the world fills that vacuum with the things of the world or, you know, and which leads to dissatisfaction and disappointment and, and really uh, uh, just uh, uh, terrible consequences. But it's when that person finds that that invites God into their lives, 
that they find fulfillment in life because that is the right place for God in the heart. That's right. You, if you don't have that, that's a God-shaped void, right? If yeah. God doesn't fill it, you won't. You won't be. You won't be uh, satisfied with life, no matter what you do. Uh, in all my literature, when I run uh, a campaign, Mark Deller, uh, I always put somewhere on it: "Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord." Yeah. And there's that's unequivocal, right? Yes. It doesn't. It, it, it that na- the nation will be blessed whose God is the Lord. Yes. It doesn't say it might be blessed, and it doesn't say you can you can pick the Lord or somebody else. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So that that's that's what we need to do. We need to make the Lord our God again. Yes. Can can a nation be a Christian nation? That's kind of a debate. Can a nation be a Christian nation? What well, do you think of that? You know, it's been it's been said for for a long long time that America was uh, was is is a Christian or was a Christian nation. And to some degree it was. We were founded our founders were were God-fearing men. Not all of them were Christians in the sense that we, you know, we think of as a, in Christianity, but they were all God-conscious and God-fearing men, and they certainly had a biblical worldview of 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 what a nation should be. And it was John Adams said that it's impossible to rule a a a people who. Uh, who have no consciousness mm. of the Bible or really a sense of morality. So the further we get away from God, the harder it is for uh, our our country to function, you know, in a in a moral and respectable way. You know, we see a lot of these riots going on right now and we try to make sense of of some of the issues that are before us and uh but it's important for Christians to have that biblical worldview to uh, to 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 know their scriptures well enough to to kind of see the big picture about how God sees things. You know, it's interesting that this 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 program will be broadcast after the election. But you know, it is so vitally important, I believe, for Christians to have to develop their own sense of. Uh, convictions of things that they believe deep down in their hearts, yes. and and the idea of and these convictions, for as far as a Christian con- is concerned, should be things that they read from the Bible and that they believe that is it is important. You know that if God thinks it's important, maybe that I should think that are important. And I think that one of the major issues that we should you know look for in a candidate and I would hope that after the you know after this is this is aired that you know after it's over with that we see the result of the very fact that that uh, to look for a a person who represents us who thinks very highly of human life yes so why 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 is why is why should a christian be pro life I well, mean, does does a woman have a right? Does a woman have that right to choose? Is that is that is that the uh, uh, the predominant or the the uh, overarching uh, a belief system? That what is it? Why why should we be pro life? Well, first of all, we should be pro life because God is pro life. You know, it's interesting that even today, uh, it, so many many years after you know the the biblical events took place. Uh, is that the Jewish people, whenever they have a festive occasion in which they toast, uh, they their toast is very simply lachaim, which means to life. The Jews even today have such a a uh, uh, high regard for human life 
and 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 uh, it's probably rooted in the very fact of their biblical found their, their biblical founding. You mm. know, what I mean, and and the very idea that. Uh, we should think be we should think pro life. We should be pro life as believers because God is pro life. You know, I love that. I love that verse in Genesis one and verse twenty seven, and so mm. which it says that God created man, the first human, in the image of Himself, in the image of God. Yeah. That the, those words, the, the image of God, the imago Dei in Latin, the, the very image, and that and the idea that that God. Uh, in every person, whether they're a Christian or not, has that little divine spark in them, that little, uh, uh, perhaps small, because, you know, because of the sin nature, it's diminished, but that uh, that spark of God in us. That's the reason why murder is so horrendous, is because you're actually taking away that very spark mm. of, of divinity within a person, the the image of God. So, to answer very simply, Christians should be pro-life because God is pro-life. There you go. Did you know Dr. Daller? I'm on with uh, Dr. Mark Daller. Uh, what do you pastor, by the way? I pastor uh, Middle Ridge Baptist Church in Deerwalk, West and, Virginia. W- w- uh, did you know that uh, at the point, the second, the nanosecond of conception, that there is a spark of light? I'd heard that. It is. It has been photographed. There is a spark yeah. of light. Yeah. All right, so here's a verse. Here's a verse for folks that might struggle with this. Uh, with this, and then we're going to move on to one, one, one or two more issues. But this is foundational, right? This is foundational. Like you said, we're made in the image. I have a little puppy. We got a cute little puppy. I love that little puppy. It wasn't made in the image of God. No. It has no sense of sin. It it goes. Uh, it 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 does what it wants to do, mm-hmm. and it has no compunction about when it goes and starts digging into the uh, the food pantry when it shouldn't be. Before, Jeremiah 1.5, you know this verse, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God said, before I formed, this blows my mind, before I formed you, I knew you. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee, and so on. But the the Bible says that God formed us in the womb. By the way, his his hands are in in the womb, shaping and forming and creating us. And an abortion, I said this on the floor of the house one time. An abortion is essentially shoving God's hands out of the way and destroying His creation yeah. inside that holiest of place, the the womb of a mama. I I agree. You know, you know, people look at this idea of of abortion and and the the uh, the pro-choice rather or uh, versus the pro-life issue differently, and there are some different arguments for that. And and just let me let me, let me just give you two of those arguments. First of all, uh, there is the biological argument, which kind of goes to what you just said about the very spark of life. Is 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 we have legislators who have been uh, trying to ponder, trying to figure out. When does human life begin? And and uh, but but God tells us it begins in the very in the womb in the very very at the moment of conception. Yes. So that is the biological argument. But the biblical argument is a, a couple of just a couple of thoughts. It's the one of identity, where it says in uh, D- David's great prayer of contrition in in Psalm fifty one, where you know he's asking God to forgive him for his sin, but in, in the midst of all that, 
he acknowledges the very fact that he was shaped and he was formed, as you said, mm. in the womb. He was. He said, "I was formed in iniquity, and I was conceived in unrighteousness." Yeah. No words talking about our sin nature, but the very fact that we are formed in the womb talks about our identity. And here's another one: is a matter of infusion. We're talking about DNA. Is you you have your particular personality and your temperament because the, God has made you that way. You are unique in the eyes of God and everyone else because God has infused you with that uniqueness that makes you the person that you are, and 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 everyone likewise. Wow, that's great. Um, let's talk about. I just want to touch real quickly because. Uh, on, on the right to bear arms, mm-hmm. and I'm not a. I didn't grow up a gun guy, uh, Mark Daller. I I, uh, I I grew up kind of afraid of guns because we didn't have guns around. My dad was a marine, but he wasn't a gun guy. And yeah. and uh, the neighborhood kids, most of them weren't hunters. Some were, I guess. But yeah. but uh, the older I got in life, the 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 more um, I found and appreciated the importance of learning mm-hmm. to use guns. Yes, because you're learning to. Not only protect yourself, but protect your loved ones. Let me give you a verse. Okay. This is my favorite verse on um, the right to bear arms. Okay. A strong man. This is Luke eleven twenty one. I okay. love this verse. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> a, when a strong man armed mm-hmm. keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Yeah. It's, it's important that... Uh, that we protect what God has given us, as far as uh, uh, you know, material, you know, material uh, possessions, and you know, it's interesting that the night that Jesus was arrested in the garden, mm-hmm. and you read this in the Gospels, Peter was he was packing. He didn't have a gun. <laughs> he had a knife. That's right. He and was... and he pulled out a knife. And of course, you know, and he he went after one of the guards, <laughs> you know, and and he took we off know, an ear. I he believe. did, he did. Uh, but the very idea is, Jesus told him to put it away, not to get rid of it, but just to put, put it, it away. away. Yeah, and, and and when you go on your trip, take a take a a coat and a sword. I think he exactly. Said. So it is important, uh, you know, and and uh, I think our country has made great inroads toward. Uh, Gun education, you know, if you're going to buy a, a, a weapon for personal protection mm-hmm. of your family or, your, you know, whatever, that, that you obviously you should know what you're doing to get the training, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and use it responsibly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I believe that the Bible does teach and advocate uh, – Personal protection of yeah. your family. Yeah, I love, and uh, just back to that verse briefly, and we'll move on. But uh, Luke eleven twenty one says, "A strong man." Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to be the man of the house, and right. we're supposed to be strong. Right. Okay, and we're supposed to be armed. Right. We're we're allowed to. If you are, if you're armed, and you're the strong man of the house, you can keep uh, protect. That is. The goods in your house. Who are the who are the goods in your house? I don't care about my furniture. I don't care about my food. Uh, I love my dog, but uh, that's not the primary. <laughs> I got a wife, and I got a couple kids uh, still at home. Yeah. Those those are the important thing, right? And uh, we're to protect. So let's let's move on, and then we'll be done. Um, marriage, okay, okay, between a man and a and a woman. We we believe that a marriage 
should only be right. between a man and a man and a woman. But why, why do we think that? Are we bigots when we say that? Are we being uh, hateful when we say that? Uh, why do why do we believe that? No, as a matter of fact, you know the the the, the idea of a man uh, and and a woman being united in marriage is 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 biblical. Goes all the way back to the really to the garden and the idea that you know we're not bigots, we're not homophobes. Whenever we say that, we're merely just uh, communicating what we what the Bible says and advocates right from the very beginning that it's. Uh, uh, one man and one woman for one lifetime. That's yeah, that's right. And and when you get away from that, then then you 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 can open up a, a mm-hmm. Pandora's box right. to where to where anything is yeah. is uh, accepted. And uh, and that's what that's what's happened in America. You know, we've really become jaded. And, and that when you when you accept something that's contrary to God's law. It makes it easier to accept something else to where we're starting to see uh, the, the whole transgender issue, yes. which is a uh, which is a, a a fraud of God's picture of the gospel is what 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 a wedding is. Right. It's right. it's Jesus Christ marrying his bride. That's the picture of every wedding is a picture of the gospel, whether the 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 husband or wife, the man or the woman know it. Right. So if you have anything that's contrary to that or pervert perver- that perverts that, then you have a a fracture um, uh, of of God's picture of Himself and of the gospel. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting that back in just a few years ago, as a matter of fact, it was in in uh, 2016, the Barna Group, which is a, a group of Christian pollsters, yes, they went all over America and went to and spoke to lay people. Uh, not, not preachers or pastors or priests or, uh, or leaders, but rather just to lay people in the pews and they have different denominations all over America. And they asked them, uh, what, what are the issues? What are the, uh, some of the topics that you would like to hear your pastor, your priest, your rabbi, your spiritual leader address and talk about? Mm. And and uh, so they wrote them all down. They took them back and they compiled a list and they categorized them. And they had a, a list of 12 subjects and with a lot of different, uh, you know, like uh, subtopics, but 12 major things. And then they went and took that list and went back and asked uh, more lay people, look at the list, tell us what is the most important thing to you that you would like to hear your your pastor, priest, rabbi, or spiritual leader talk about in from from church to teach and it's interesting that uh, abortion was the number one issue hmm. they wanted to hear about it it was 91 wow. percent of the people poll but the the fifth issue polling at at not far behind 82 percent of the people of america lay people christian lay people in america said that they wanted pastors in their churches to address the issues of sexual identity as in same-sex marriage, transgenderism, the LBGTQ wow. issues, and and uh, and and those issues, and so people want to hear what the Bible has to say about it. But unfortunately, whether it's the, the, that some of our leader, our 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 uh, spiritual leaders don't want to touch the subject, they're afraid of uh, controversy or whatever, but sadly, many are not addressing these issues biblically, and which leaves people to 
kind of form their own opinions by mm. the media or other sources. Yeah, that, and that's so right. We talked about in the last segment, uh, Pastor Leversey and I, um, um, just about how if, 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 if you don't give people a biblical worldview, they'll form their own. Yes. Right? If yeah. you don't give them the truth, they'll come up with their own truth, Absolutely. won't they? And uh, so I'm on, uh, we got uh, Mark Daller, uh, uh, Pastor Mark Daller, also uh, Dr. Mark Daller. You recently got your, is it your PhD that you got, is that the uh, the letters? Yes. The, okay, so so congratulations well, on that, Bob, because that was quite an achievement. And you actually teach in, in a, a Bible school. I do. In, in I, I, I teach in a bo- local, local Bible college here in the area. And so, you used to do a little radio show here at uh, 103.9. I did. A few years ago, I did a little two-minute segment every day called uh, uh, Creation Moments. And, and which you're, you're very good on that. Next time we have you back, we might... We might do a, a, a whole half hour on creation or oh, something. I, that, that would be, be a great, great show, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, we, we, because we, I know you are an expert in that area. Well, I don't know about an expert. But you're but, the doctor. But, you well, are. I, you know, I like to talk about it, and, and we uh, we fe- featured on our little two-minute little segment, just a little two-minute uh, thought-provoking devotional uh, about many of the aspects of creation. So I appreciate the... I appreciate the uh, the thought there, and uh, we'd be glad to do that. But uh, yeah, uh, so we're, we try to stay busy here in the area. I'm teaching a, at a at a local Bible college here, and one of the instructors at Centurion Bible College here in the area. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but a lot of these issues, it's just important that we touch bases on them and 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 uh, uh, the awareness of it, mainly because a lot of folks are not getting that information, unfortunately, from their own churches. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Mark Deller. It's uh, an honor to have you. Great to see you again. We haven't uh, we haven't broken bread in months. Yeah, we, yeah this pandemic has kind of put a <laughs> yeah, it may have been over a year. It has for sure. So we'll we'll get back together and, and do lunch and uh, we're we're buds and uh, uh, I like uh, I like just chatting with Mark Dowler. That's why I had him in. So we'll, next time you come in, we'll we'll take a, a a subject like creation or or whatever else. And and we'll just we'll we'll hammer away at it for a half hour. But thanks for coming in. This is Mike Azinger with Voice of Truth Radio. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. All right, welcome back to Voice of Truth Radio. And uh, thanks so much for joining us out there. We uh, having a a regular show, and this, we're new at this, Pastor. This is um, <laughs> it's, and it's fun being new. We're kind of finding our way. You that's know? Right, it's right. like explorers, you know, getting into territory for the first time. <laughs> right. so. so this is Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey, and uh, we'll be doing an hour once a week. This is our second show, so if you think if you're thinking, hey, they are really bad, uh, <laughs> you'd be right. But you we'll would, get better. You would be correct, uh, and don't get your hopes up. How about that? Hey, we can only go up from here. That's the way I <laughs> look at it. So. There you go. So uh, uh, election day is over. We're record, recording the Saturday before election day. So what is today, Pastor? It's the thirty first. Yep. And election day is a couple of days away, uh, but we're going to talk uh, because this is going to air. After Election Day, right. folks are listening right now to it. It's after our Election Day. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's the biblical reaction, a, a Christian reaction, to 
the results of election no, no matter who wins. What, what do we do, right? right? It could be good. You know, we might think, hey, this is great, wonderful, or we might think, oh, no, what happened, this is awful right. uh, in terms of election day. So so w- what do we do? Well, you know, I, I think we have to come from a standpoint that historically speaking, uh, Christian people have never been in a good situation culturally. Oh, man. That's <laughs> great. Know? Yes. I mean— We're spoiled, aren't we? Yeah, in we are. And God's people as a whole. I mean, if you think of the nation of Israel wandering around without a land, yeah. uh, attacked by, you know, heathen nations, um, you think of the New Testament Christians— who were uh, first uh, kicked out of a lot of their homes and societies because they uh, were receiving Christ as their Savior, persecuted by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at our day and age today, modern times. Most of the world, their Christians are persecuted at a much higher level than, than what we see yeah. here in the United States of America. So uh, Christians have never been in a particularly good situation. I think what we have to remember is the Bible tells us that this world is not our home. Mm -hmm. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we are citizens of our nation, and there are responsibilities. We've talked about that that go along with that. But we have to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think we've seen some... I don't know, fleshly responses or, or may I say humanistic kind of responses to not getting your way in an election. Mm. You know, one of the most popular questions that's been asked of both candidates is, hey, do you see this being a successful transition of power? Should you lose the election? Will you give up power? And, you know, they might him and haw and do this. But aren't you glad for the testimony that at least in the United States of America, over the vast number of years we've had elections, yes. there's always been a peaceful transition yes. of power. Right. And, you know, the Bible tells us that we are to dwell peaceably with all men where we're able to do so. And so I think that, you know, if the election doesn't go your way, whatever side you happen to be on, don't become an angry Christian. Don't become a bitter Christian. Don't invest in this election in like it's all you ever have to look forward to in life. Trust in the promises of God. And I think in a nutshell— you know, that's the biblical view of this. God's still on the throne. Don't take on a mentality that this is our only hope and uh, dwell peaceably with all men where you're able to do so. You know, I think that is great advice. Uh, I've always thought, and I learned this kind of later in life, but but that if you don't understand and trust in the providence of God, hmm. you'll go insane. You will. That goes with your personal life, yeah. with uh, the culture at large, with, with elections, if if God's not in control, you you might as well go crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But if God's in control and He's our Father, and we're His child, then then He's got it, right? He wasn't kicked off the throne. He's got everything under control, and and even if it's it's bad times, God ne- God never uh, promised us a, a bed of roses, which uh, was a country music song. I think <laughs> I, I beg your pardon. I would love for you to sing it. <laughs> I think that was in the hymnal. I read. Less, less, less. So uh, we're spoiled in America. Uh, we've had it. We've had it easy. We've been blessed, though. You know, uh, we've been blessed in America. But 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 there is no verse that I know of that says Americans won't go through persecution because mm-hmm. they that live godly in Christ Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yeah. Um, so so uh, no matter who's won at this point, 
God is in control. That's right. That's right. And we need to keep our eyes on Him. We need to keep going to our churches. We need to keep worshiping God. We, we need to keep following His laws as God's people. Um, you know, I know we get into conflicts because we wonder, okay, uh, do I, how do I follow the laws of God? How do I follow the laws of men if I don't agree with them? Let's say somebody gets into office who's passing laws that are against the Word of God. Well, the Bible distinctly tells us that we are to obey God rather than men. But uh, we need to make sure that we are standing on the principle of Scripture and not twisting Scripture just to get our own way in some of those areas as well, because the Bible equally says that we are to follow the authorities that God has put in our life so long as they don't blatantly go against the Word of God. So again, I I believe we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. We need to be active, uh, as we always have been. Don't give up. Don't have a defeatist attitude. Mm. Uh, Keep your eyes on God and claim His promises. Amen. All right, Pastor. Great advice. And uh, that'll do it for today. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week on Voice of Truth Radio. This is Senator Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey. God bless you folks. Have a great day, and talk to you soon.